0: In the tree streets
1: back, everybody, to your creativity. And as Steve says, we're the podcast that just keeps going. Steve's not here today, though. He's feeling a little under the weather, so he's staying home. But we've snuck into the basement of his chocolate shop,
2: and uh, our brother Terry has joined us. How have you been, Terry? Dylan, thank you so much. Uh, I've been well. And, uh, of course, first, send a, a shout-out to our Corona bro, Steve. Um, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure it's not, but uh, he's always missed, and so uh, warm regards to him. And uh, I'm excited to be here. I've I've missed a couple, so um, yeah, I'm happy to be in the house and holding a microphone here in the basement uh, where the magic happens at yeah. Hatch Chocolates. It's amazing magic. Everything gets made
1: down here, and it smells good and it's beautiful. C'est fantastique. And speaking of
2: the coronavirus,
1: everybody's going nuts
2: yes there is there is some going nuts happening. I feel as though um, perhaps it may be a little overcooked, but maybe that's just my uh onboard sense of optimism. I downloaded that early in life the the optimism app and uh is that free? It, it, is, it turns out it's free, and even the upgrades, there are no in-app I, I can't find it in the app charges for options. Isn't that crazy? Of, <laughs> I <can't find> that. <laughs> we'll put that link in the notes. <laughs> yeah, oh. waters
1: and sanitizer and toilet paper just out everywhere across town. It's it's nuts. We're making it through. But on to bigger and better things. So, our guest today is Andrew Colin Beck. And it's good. That's got a nice role to it, but you're not a serial killer because usually three names that go together. There's, there's different types of people who
0: have three yeah. names. You've got serial killers, and then sometimes actors, like you have Chad Michael Murray type things. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep. yep. And then maybe like Philip Wizards.
2: I just got a like from Joe on Twitter yesterday.
0: Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I did.
2: I did. I'm a, a big fan of Hit Record. His, oh, yeah. Uh, creative um interaction platform yeah Mm -hmm. and and i follow him on twitter and i've kind of the last six months of my life or so kind of leaned into twitter a little bit Mm -hmm. um which is you know it's a it's a different sort of organization of community than facebook or anything like that and i've kind of been really enjoying it and uh yeah on a couple of occasions old jgl has uh recognized my existence by uh, a thumb up, or I guess it's a heart, like with a heart, on Twitter, and uh, yeah, that's um, that's the wind beneath my wings, I think, creatively today. Is that wow. Joe and, is out there. And also incredible artists.
1: I met you at a meetup, a graphic design meetup, where we met up, uh, I think it was at Orchive or someplace like that, mm-hmm. and you did a presentation of kind of your process, and we kind of did a... I think it was the uh, about the scooters. Oh yeah,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that.
1: Yeah, we and now we we all did our kind of little take on it through the process and learned about your Mystic uh, Grandpa kind of illustration thing. Um, how did you get started in art?
0: Oh man, I just always always drawn, you know, on paper since I was a little kid. I always liked doing it, um, so. I think it started there, just drawing, which is actually still my favorite thing you do. Just
1: bust out a pencil and go crazy. So what, when was the, the big jump saying that I'm going to do this as my my main gig? As
0: right, right, right. So I think uh, throughout high school, I liked all the different creative fields. Like I liked filmmaking, and I liked writing music, and all kinds of stuff. I even pretended like I could act for a little while, but... Um, I think I I served an LDS mission, and on the mission, I decided that art was evil and that you can't make money doing it, so when I came back from that, I was studying psychology for a while, (laughs) and then I just found myself doing art all the time on the side, you know, like I couldn't deny that that's what I wanted to do, so eventually my wife Ashley just helped me realize, like, why don't you just do that, because obviously that's what you like, you are doing it. Yeah, you're doing it anyway. So why don't you make some money and then, yeah. So I just that was kind of a paradigm shift for me, embracing the fact that I just
1: am an, an artist, you know. And, and you've got a really cool style. You've got like strong lines, like uh, your band's logo and oh, murals that you've done. I I, I love strong lines. Mm-hmm. And we've had Drapeleon on, and of course he's known for his uh, strong lines. Yeah. And then uh, your your textured illustrations. Tell us a little bit about that, where that kind of came from.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, visually inspired by a lot of the poster designs of the 50s, like uh, propaganda poster type stuff. Um, uh, But the way it came about is um, when I wanted to try to be an illustrator for real, um, I had a meeting with a really cool design agency. Well, sorry, no. Um, an agent, like they represent illustrators. I had a meeting with an agent in Amsterdam. Um, they're like the coolest agent. They're called Agent Pekka. They they represent all my favorite artists. And so I got a meeting with them because I was in Amsterdam. And they sat down with me and they were like, hey, yeah, this is a lot of stuff that looks like a hundred different artists. So call us back when you figure out like who you are. So after that meeting, I spent like a year <laughs> trying to figure
2: out Andrew, we're going to need to pigeonhole you, so if you could help us out with that, that would be <laughs> Well, they be were just fantastic.
0: revealing to me how the industry works. Sure, absolutely. You know? They were just Identity. saying, like, uh, you're cool, but, like, what are we going to do with you? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So after that, it took, like, a year and uh, just tried to figure out, like, what could be the one style that could I could be make my thing. You know what I mean? So I did this project called Duck Days, where every day for, I think it was like 300 days, I... Illustrated a duck, but in a different style, just to try it all out, you know, oh, cool. so I did like a pixel duck, like Mario pixelated sure, d- an 8-bit sure. duck, eight bit and duck. then I did, <laughs> I did like a photorealistic like pencil rendered duck, and I did like a collage duck, I did a bunch of them, and um, I think I just, through that project, I tried to figure out like what what's really fun to me, and what do I want to own, and it was partially... Like what do I like and what do I want to make that will be fun for me. So through that process I kind of created that that style of texturized illustration. And then I only did that for like five or six years. And then of course I started to get a little cagey. So I created hmm. an alter ego where I make cartoons. But I try to keep them kind of separate just because I don't want to dilute either of them too much. I found I found kind of like power in siloing things. Makes sense. Because I feel like if my portfolio is just, hey, this guy does some stuff. Stop. Then it's not going to go anywhere. But I have like separate portfolios that are more like within them, they're really
2: focused. And then I can make as many of those as I want. Once you've built your silos, then you can yeah. populate them with the appropriate types of content right, and, right. and allow yourself as the one brain to spin off many different styles without brand dilution.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I honestly think that for me, there was a lot of power in focusing in on one thing. And so I I do think that that is a good idea. Uh, I just couldn't keep it locked down forever.
2: (laughs) For sure. Hey, Andrew, uh, before we go any further, tell folks your web address so that uh, listeners can get okay. the, uh, the, the visual companion to right. today's podcast. It's it's pornhub.com Pornhub.com. <laughs> Andrew Colin Beck.
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs>
2: dabbling in comedy. <laughs> uh,
0: AndrewColinBeck.com. Colin has one L in it. One L. And then Mystic Grandpa is really just the Instagram. So if you go to look up Mystic Grandpa on Instagram, that is my cartoons. And then, of course, Fantastic. which we may talk about, I have a band which is called Day Sounds. Yes. And that is also an Instagram. Let's look up Day Sounds or we have daysoundsmusic.com. Yes.
2: As a, a noisemaker myself, I look forward to uh, delving into the subject of cool. music. Cool. But cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I appreciate that Dylan dove into the uh, the visual arts side and, and as yeah. a, someone who is. Nominally participating in this podcast, but really just having the best seat in the house <laughs> to uh, to enjoy the the uh, dialogue between two uh, graphic artists, fine artists, visual designers, uh, all of which is deeply fascinating to me. And um, it's a really yeah. really good life. I like it. Something like that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just over here riffing a little bit. Exactly. It's the new way. It's, like it's it the way to go. Like it, it. Is.
0: it is. So doing that for my illustration work was helpful for my other endeavors. Like when I started Mystic Grandpa, I kind of used the same process to hone in like a more specific style in that vein. And then, of course, when I started my band with my buddies, we, we followed a similar path. To first try to figure out like what kind of music we wanted to make, you know, which I which I have found really, really helpful. because I've had a lot of other musical projects where they're really unfocused. And one day you write like a Coldplay-esque song. Right. And the next day you write a ska song and you're like, what am I doing?
2: You sound like you're describing the Terry Burton project, <laughs> but that's another podcast. It was actually Dave Matthews fan. But
0: yeah, I mean, I find that process for me to be really powerful because
2: when I have like a lens that I want to
0: focus things through, it kind of just helps me make decisions, you know, and know what I'm shooting for.
2: Absolutely, and it occurs to me that uh, similar to the way that you were describing uh, your now approach to visual art, that you know we're all children of so many digital platforms through which we can access every kind of music. And, and on some level, we're all so deeply influenced by styles of music that you might never hear in a Terry Burton song or a Day sound song, but all of that is a, is a driver of creativity. But again, we go back to the, the analogy of a silo and that, uh, you know, people have dominant music preferences, and so if they can learn to understand, even before identifying kind of what your silo is musically, that's going to help them consume your efforts better and more appropriately, because we we take these uh, secondary channels of distribution beyond sitting and watching people play live music in person and, and we customize them. So the, the morning mix and the workout mix right, <laughs> and yeah. all of these different ways in which we consume music and, and sort of engineer the sonic experience to our own benefit for a different time of day or a different setting. And um, I feel like I'm, I'm reflecting to myself as much as observing that process that it sounds like has really been super beneficial for you musically and Mm -hmm. and certainly maybe coming from your experience in visual art.
1: Right, right, yeah, for sure. So, um, when you're going through those different styles of music before you decided on uh, the ultimate band sound, were were there favorites in there that you had trouble separating yourself from to check out the next one? Nope. Nope? (laughs) I think, uh, (laughs) just... Nope, this isn't it, this isn't it. And then you got I mean, there was maybe a,
0: li- <laughs> a little bit, but it's the the kind of music that we're trying to make in Day Sounds, I think, has always been my favorite kind of music. So it's exciting for me to be trying to make it now, trying to create that kind of music.
2: And for folks at home, uh, would you care to uh, uh, spray paint your label on your silo for the music that Day Sounds is making? Oh, yeah, sure.
0: So <laughs> it's uh, psychedelic rock. Um... And then maybe like sub-genres would be sunshine pop. Sunshine pop. And Love baroque it. pop. So it's kind of like influenced by a lot of oldies 94.1 artists. Mm-hmm. and uh, But of course with a new kind of spin on it and our own take on it. And in, and kind of us pulling it into 2020. But, but yeah, inspired by that kind of stuff.
2: Fantastic. Uh, references and, and visuals um, talk a little bit if you would about uh, the creation process obviously in your work as a visual artist I'm gonna make the assumption that you primarily are working uh, alone mm. I'm sure it's not exclusively the case but certainly the, uh, the um, wild collaboration that uh, making music with others and there are, there are four of you yeah yeah. Uh, talk about how if there is a sort of a standard process to maybe who is the idea generator versus the sure. the the, uh, the editing committee, right? <laughs> and all those kind of things in in the music area. Yeah. So yeah. did you want me to start with the art or just go to the music? Um, let's let's talk about both. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean the art's pretty standard. It's just me alone in my underwear on my bed. There you go. And a sketchbook and a dog. All the, all the, all the <laughs> all requisite the items. Yeah. And uh,
2: rain sound effects. Okay.
0: That's, I got to have that.
2: Is, does that include uh, uh, thunder and lightning, or is no. this just a. This is a. That would this is tranquil of, rain. That would cause a
0: lot of confusion. Just rain. Just rain. Just rain. For so, all of
2: the sentient beings in on this process, including you and your dog. That's right just (laughs) that's all um it's essentially white noise and uh yeah so that's
0: a pretty personal uh process like meaning just alone you know solitary and a lot of sketching in the book and then making iterations on the computer and i mean have some back and forth with my clients but mostly these days it's pretty self generated
2: yeah i was that was exactly uh where i was thinking to is that um, communication process with a client and I'm, I'm curious if you would uh, put a, a percentage on uh, how much time you spend uh, making and I'll just use the term fine art as allowing the, the creative faucet to run wide open for your own uh, benefit versus versus commercial art oh, ie things that are yeah. um, commissioned in the beginning I did a
0: lot of stuff for myself in visual art Um, which I think is a really good thing to do. Especially, I'm going to go on a small tangent, but I think that whatever you put in your portfolio is what people are going to hire you for. Sure. So if you work in UX and that's all you do and you don't want to do UX, you can't just put UX in your portfolio and think that someone's going to go, you know, he might be a great logo designer. You know what I mean? So let's say you're in UX and you... I'm just making this up. Let's say you're in UX (laughs) and you want to do logos, you got to just do a bunch of personal logo projects and put them all in your portfolio. And then someone will go, you know what? This guy's good at logos. You I know like what I mean? it. So for me, I used to do a bunch of that uh, in visual art until I started to get the kind of work that I wanted. And now I mostly do commissions. And be- because the time where I used to fill the time with doing personal art is
2: all music now. I see. So. So have you seen uh, a change over time as you have sort of acquired uh, the reputation of your portfolio that uh, clients are maybe more um, coming to you and saying, we want you as a creator as opposed to we want this thing that we want you to construct for us. Has that changed over time? Are, are you getting more uh, client prospects who come and say, we just want the ACB to do the magic thing that comes out from between your ears and, and of course, do some versions and, and right. review those and, and that sort of thing. But we trust your creativity as opposed to you're just kind of a mocker for yeah, yeah. Their, their concepts that are already sort of set.
0: I think as a graphic designer, I experienced that mm-hmm. more. And as an illustrator, it's been a lot more like,
1: what, did, what do you
0: think? What do you see? Yeah. So, That's I, really do, cool. I do uh, prefer that. Although graphic design is also very fun. But yeah, I feel like illustration tends to be a lot more like, the point is we want your take. You know right. I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. I like that.
1: Absolutely. And you've worked some with some big brands and stuff you Playboy magazine, GQ, big newspapers. What has yeah. that experience been working with those kind of po you know, powerful publications?
0: It's it's fun. It's really not that different than smaller clients except for that their turnarounds are really quick mm. and they pay less.
1: Pay so. less. Interesting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like uh, the the church and the B- and BYU magazine are really slow and they pay a lot, which is funny. And then mm-hmm. like <laughs> the big publications are like they don't pay very much and they your turnarounds in like a week, but it's fun and it's exciting because you're going to be in a big publication and I don't want to bad mouth them, but sure they can you know give me less money and I'll still do it. So.
2: Right. <laughs> well, and and to a certain extent, and I think about my experience with uh, various kinds of uh, settings in which client service is, you know, in the end, yes, it's creativity, but, but you are making a product for uh, a business that, you know, uh, we're going to press. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, those things like deadlines that don't exist and pure creativity mm-hmm. um, can sometimes be really positive, especially when you're sort of in shape for that kind of thing and used to doing those turnarounds and and of course also getting to know any particular client better over time and I'm sure that you have plenty of uh, repeat business uh, in which uh, you do get to know the client and even if it's just that uh, one contact person or small contact team that you're dealing with that you're knowing to anticipate the kinds of styles based on what you've done for them before that they've said, we love it, or any of those kind of things. That is, it's a version of creativity unto itself. And and I think of um, the use of the term work, that uh, the best work is work, of course, that doesn't feel like work, but by the same token, sometimes... It's really cool when a deadline or knowing mm-hmm. the specifics of of what it is that your client is is going to favor or what they need in this case is is a, a cool version of creativity, because there is an extra layer layer over just kind of right letting it rip and saying I'm I'm right I'm just I'm just sitting on the bed making an illustration for myself but having some of those constraints that of course make you as a commercial artist make you better because they know when when they say hey let's call andrew for this they go yeah he gets the turnaround, and he you know he knows how to fit his creativity into a process that ultimately is commercial right right um i have a small story
0: so i did a series of illustrations for monocle magazine a couple of years ago And um, they had the most complicated briefs I've ever read Mm. in my life. Like, uh, some briefs are like... (laughs) There's like, it's about dogs, and we need an (laughs) illustration about dogs that are tired. That's it, right? And the monocle ones were like really dense paragraphs about like trade blocks. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have to have a degree to understand this brief. So one of them... um, was about like very complicated trade agreements. And so I sent the art director back a drawing of a bunch of uh, hands, shaking hands, that were all twisted up into a ball. <laughs> because I was like, I'm just so confused by this. like I don't know what it means. And he came back, he's like, perfect. Nice! <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they ran in the magazine.
1: It's always best when they like the dir- first draft. It's like, yep. I was just spitballing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was kind of joking, like, I, I don't get this brief. But he was like,
2: yep, that's exactly it. That, that's the point. We were we were attempting to confuse right. and obfuscate right. with a with a carefully crafted creative brief right. that uh, that you nailed visually. Yeah, you thought you didn't know what you were doing, and it turns out you that it. your instinct
0: was right on. <laughs> right. So you were asking about how it's different in the band. Yeah. So yeah, the band is a completely different animal. So the band is a full collaboration between me. And my partner Ben Alvarez, who is kind of like my, we're, we are like day sounds together. Uh-huh. And then we have two other guys in the group who are a little bit newer, and um, we're we're kind of bringing them along with us and hoping they get more involved in the writing process, and yeah, the, all of that stuff. But but really, it's uh, everything is mostly like everything: the visuals and the mm-hmm. songwriting and the lyrics, even and, and all the instrumentation is me and Ben basically, right. Right, So that's totally different. That's like uh, two brains working together slash working against each other slash, you know, it's, it's a different process.
2: Hashtag editing. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a real thing. And once you get into that uh, collaborative uh, arena, can we use the term arena, that uh, bespeaks a little bit of, of maybe some competition <laughs> happening that I'm not meaning to... Uh, overlay but by the same token there is a uh, there is something about working with other people and and the ability to be free with your ideas mm-hmm. so that the things that come to your mind aren't always things that you're sort of sponsoring in as you know i i i birthed this verse or this uh riff or musical maybe melodic motif or something like that that now you're lobbying for which and of course i'm in saying that i'm thinking of situations that i've been involved in musically (laughs) that have have felt like that sometimes and i'm guessing just from uh the way you speak of ben that uh it's probably a a significantly more open uh, process of back and forth talk about how that works for you guys and if it has changed over time it sounds like you guys have been working together for a while has has that relationship between the two of you morphed
0: sure so i think it um it was kind of uh new for me at the beginning just because i've had so many years of working by myself Mm -hmm. you know so i feel like uh unfortunately for him i had a bit of a learning curve to like Figure out how to play nice, and <laughs> I just gonna say, <laughs> not nice think my others. own ideas are always the right one, and but but I mean, I guess the way that it's morphed is we've gotten comfortable in it, and I've grown to love it as a different, as a completely different thing. So now it's so sure. fun that at the end of the day, when I look back on something we made it's like really hard to figure out where like his brushstroke you know stops and mine starts you know that's brilliant so it's really it's really cool it, it turns into a totally different thing at that point point. and um, I'm sure if he was on his own making music it would be d- very different and if I was on sure. my own making music it would probably be very different but I think our synergy is pretty awesome and and uh, totally different than what we would have made on our own
2: and and you certainly become each other's first audience for yeah, for, sure. for fresh, brand new ideas just as they hit you, which to me is is a really exciting thing. And, right. and I say that as a, at least at this point, primarily solo songwriter. Mm-hmm. That sometimes, and of course, I, I play things for friends and and get their take on it. But that's different than sort of yeah uh, being in. And saying, all right, you know, we're we're in the treehouse or we did the handshake that signifies that now Day Sounds is is um We well, have a treehouse and a handshake. You go, oh good. I I, <laughs> I was certain of that. That's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know I know what you mean though. Um it's really nice to have somebody there, you know, who's as passionate yeah. as you and yeah. who wants the same thing as you. Um kind of reminds me so we have I think um, three songs on Spotify right now. Nice. And the first one we put up as our first single, In the Tree Streets, is one of the first songs that we wrote together when the band was starting.
2: And how long ago was that? So the band started about
0: um, three years ago as as like a Skype collaboration. So we all lived in different states at the time. Mm. And we were just playing like postal service for a while. Sure. And then we eventually all moved together to kind of try to materialize it, which has been really cool. And we've seen a lot of uh, fruits from that. But when we were writing that song, it was a lot of uh, just emailing files back and forth sure. and phone calls and stuff, which is also a different kind of collaboration Indeed. that I don't miss. But
2: No? No. No? <laughs> Disconnecting uh, the creativity from the humanity? you, you, you got to <laughs> be able to make out.
0: If you, can't, <laughs> if you can't make out, it's not worth it. Amen, so, brother. So anyways, um, that song, this song in the Tree Streets, as an example... I, I was kind of the one who started writing it, at least in the beginning, before we finished it together. But when I was working on it, I think I wrote maybe 10 choruses. Mm. So I had a verse that I was like,
2: yes, yeah, this, is, this is good. This is money. And
0: then I wanted you know to have a chorus that was as good or better or whatever sure. to give the song what it you know deserves. So I wrote just a shitload of choruses. And um, showing them to Ben was just really helpful for me because even though I kind of knew, you know, if I felt like it was good or not. He's Absolutely. just really honest, and he was like, yeah, like, I don't like it yet. And then, you know, he, he wouldn't just say, like, oh, yeah, it's fine, like, good job.
2: <gasps> right, right, there's the
0: the <laughs> F word. Oh, it's,
2: it's fine. It's not a problem. Right. But uh,
0: so we kept doing that, and this is early in our collaboration, and then finally I landed on a chorus. We landed on a chorus that was... Um, something I had written in a song like way back when I was like fourteen. Wow! And it was some stupid song, but the chorus was kind of solid. Yeah, that so catchy. So we pulled that over, and 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 then when I showed that to Ben, he was like, "Yeah, that's the one." And so that's kind of an example of what's it's, what it's nice to have some somebody else's brain, you know? Because yeah, absolutely. Even though I knew the first choruses I put in there were like, Ugh, I don't know, yeah. maybe
2: alone I would have been like,
0: I, I mean, maybe it's fine.
2: You know what I mean? Sure, sure. So, well, and 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 of course, you can get to the point where, uh, in the process, you say, "Oh, maybe we need a bridge here, right. Wait, like bef- short, but let's put a little something in there that right kind of gets you from the verse to the chorus in a way that makes sense." But there isn't quite, in speaking from my experience, there isn't quite anything like the feeling in uh, creating music when the transition and and that. Uh, Ah, of yes, this chorus it follows, yeah and and everybody kind of head nods, and you go, yes, we got it right and and I have to imagine that your having taken on the task of writing a number of different choruses uh was probably really beneficial not only for honing in on what it was that the two of you really wanted in your hive mind for the chorus, right but also like. Right, again, back to that sponsorship thing of you didn't have to sort of have ownership of a particular chorus that, uh, that you go, well, th- this is what it is, Ben. Yeah. And, and then it's like, but, oh, I, I don't like it. And now you're at right. this this impasse that, sure, you can get past, but I would imagine that sort of having the, uh, and I don't mean to downplay it at all, but kind of the buffet approach yeah, yeah. to... Right, which 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 goes best with the green beans?
0: I think that's another thing I kind of maybe borrowed from graphic design. Mm. Because in working in Amsterdam, I've worked for myself for a long time, but my first job out of college was at Eden Spiekerman in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way we would do things, is like an iterative process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they'd be like, here's your challenge, and I'd make like four or five ideas, and then bring those to my supervisor, and they'd be like, feel like that's the right yeah 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 and in a way that's like Mm -hmm. it feels less confrontational i guess because i'm like i kind of like all of these right so if you pick one i'll be happy about
2: it sure sure and that that uh back to the the analogy to work uh in in doing that sort of rough draft yeah uh, moment you have the opportunity to vastly increase your efficiency because you may not have the, the perspective that your supervisor does right. on you know a, a particular conversation with the client that right. uh, will help focus and say you know what this is really cool and save that for some other time but this is really what we're after and you you got it here and you go hey right like you said you know it's not a sponsorship thing it's just like this is all creativity that mm-hmm. that i hatched right. and uh, right if you want the beans versus the broccoli go for it that's that's great right. and it's all it's all nutritious and i'm i'm going to end that buffet analogy now for the rest of the episode
0: <laughs> i mean another part of the collaboration between me and ben that's really cool is just that sometimes he'll start something and he'll bring it to me and then i'll it'll spark something in me and i'll take it somewhere he wouldn't have imagined right. and we're both like cool or sometimes exactly. it's the other way around you know i'll bring an idea, and I'll be like, is this, like, what do you think? And then he'll do something with it that just blows my mind, and I'm like, and this is why we have to be together. And that's when the making right. out comes in. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I and get that's it. why the phone thing is not going to work. That's right, that's
2: right. I can't stand all the way over here one yeah. minute longer. Exactly. That's great. That's we'll, get really there, cool. we'll, yeah. get, we'll get there, Terry. We'll get there.
0: You got to get some years under the belt. Yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> This is just
2: a, uh, this is a pre-date.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys have started doing live shows. Right, um, yeah. yeah. The first one was down at the Valour.
2: Valour and Provo,
0: yeah. We've played there a handful of times, and we played, recently we played our first couple of Salt Lake concerts.
2: Where well, are you playing in Salt Lake?
0: We played Kilby, and we just played Urban Lounge, oh, like, good. last weekend.
2: Fantastic. I'm sorry yeah. that I missed that. I'm, uh, yeah. A uh, regular attendee at, at Urban Lounge and have yeah. graced the stage a few times. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's a, a spirit to that place. And of course, Kilby Court and and Velour, for that matter. Yeah. I uh, like all of those places. Are, are places where um, the discovery of, of truly original music is happening in Salt Lake. Yeah. Which is, is beautiful and exciting for uh, for this. Marketplace for this community of artists. There's a
0: lot of amazing musicians around. It's it's crazy, and there have isn't been it? for a long time too. And,
2: and I I couldn't agree more. And it it occurs to me that uh, and and this is definitely something that I'm interested to to hear your take on uh, as as you're getting out now and playing mm-hmm. live shows, and of course the. Uh, I'll sort of put it under the imprimatur of the studio experience of creation of music and recording of music is, yeah. of course, a very different animal. But um, talk about what it's like to present those songs in, in that most immediate of circumstances of having people standing in front of you, yeah. in front of the stage. Uh, you know, for me, that's the whole point. And that's probably as much because I'm just not as experienced of a uh, kind of a studio rat. <laughs> gotcha. But yeah. um, I'm I'm curious because I'm I'm getting the the uh, vibe that you probably are having a fantastic time ho- playing <laughs> I these so. songs live. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, no, it's fun. It like I think you use the phrase a different animal. It is quite different, mm. um, and I, it's fun for such different reasons like studio recording is a blast yeah and writing at home with the guitar is a blast yeah you know and playing on stage maybe the biggest blast but it's also (laughs) just a blast in a different way you know and for me uh it's always a bit of a it's always a bit of a give and take because
2: i fear human beings i see deeply but it's, 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 <laughs> the, it's the ultimate uh, crucible, is it not, Yeah, to, to get out there and yeah. see, those, see the expressions on people's faces and right. see if they match up with the things that maybe you imagined right. an audience feeling or reacting when you're in the studio environment. Yeah, yeah. Having an audience have a
0: blast while you're playing is the mm-hmm. best feeling. And then, yes, of course, you always have other experiences, too. Like we played a concert a while back around halloween and i remember there was this guy who was like just stoked to see us he was like i'm so excited what are you going on and then i saw him in the crowd and we were playing and as we were playing i just kind of watched his face just kind of his smile just kind of melt and then after a couple songs he was gone (laughs) oh wow interesting We ruined it for him
2: well (laughs) there you have it Uh, there's uh there's that or he just melted his mind and he just maybe yeah. so maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe he just maybe he died Dylan. maybe it was just maybe it was just too much yeah. <laughs> and he just he 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 filled his tank yeah and he had to He's go like digest. you know what? I got to take a nap I'll see you guys next time <laughs> for the second half let's of the show let's say that's what happened <laughs>
0: but yeah yeah when people are there's a magic energy on stage as as i'm sure yeah. you have experienced and yes. that is like really fun and it is what it's all kind of for I guess like in that we wrote the music we recorded it we did all the stuff because we want to go present it yes you know yes but
2: yeah but of course we all know plenty of of famous artists and and people in our own lives for whom uh, it's the creative process that is the thing and the, the, the authoring is where the the fire sort of lives yeah and you know I think of to use a, a reference that I'm listening to an increasing amount lately, uh, the precocious and, and crazy talented Billie Eilish. Mm, and incredible. Yeah, I mean, she's just, I mean, she's like a, a hurricane spitting spittin water off in 360 degrees of direction of brilliant music. But part of the business that she's now very much in is show tonight show tomorrow night show the night after that same set list right Right. and and there is and of course i think anyone who has played uh, a series of of live shows knows the sort of the degradation of the experience and i use that a little bit in uh, the negative that you know uh how stoked are the remaining Eagles to play Hotel California tonight? (laughs) Really? I mean, how many decades can you continue to find a discovery in, uh, right, maybe the greatest song of all night? I'm sorry, Led Zeppelin, I didn't mean to exclude you, but uh, Stairway to Heaven. But how many, literally tens of thousands of times can you play Hotel California before you go. I'm sorry, everybody. You paid three hundred thousand million dollars for your tickets to the Eagles show tonight, but I I can't, can't do play it. I can't play Hotel <laughs> California. And yeah. I know you guys are gonna be disappointed about it. But anyway, here's Joe Walsh in the long run. Hit it, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean it's yeah. that's a that's a thing about playing live and treating every audience as the first audience it is a thing
0: had. and i w- and i hope for that yeah. challenge yes because i'm not you know in any way having that challenge now but what a great challenge that would be i'm so sick of having a famous song exactly exactly <laughs> i'll take there. it I'll right take that challenge absolutely
2: absolutely <laughs> and, and i agree with you and i i also think that in my uh long-winded analogy that there are ways in which and i'm having this experience right now with uh my dear friend michael collins Uh, joining me on drums and he has radically changed not only the feel but but kind of the um, the intention of a few songs that I wrote in a vacuum Mm -hmm. and simply because he is such a melodic rhythmist as a drummer as a percussionist that he's he's kind of flipped a couple songs on their heads right. because of the way that he hears what I've played, you know, in some cases, you know, a thousand times. Right. And that in and of itself, the the uh, introduction of of a fresh set of creative ears is really cool and really fun. But, you know, everybody knows every strum and stroke and note and, and lyric of Hotel California. So I imagine that over time, and as you say, um, don't we all hope for that kind <laughs> of of devotion and also challenge to ourselves as musicians to find a new uh, place to reside within a familiar song. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy thought.
0: Indeed.
1: And at live shows, you can always do kind of alternate takes. You can like play around with it. That's right. See how they react and see if it's something that you can On
0: the 8 millionth take of Hotel
1: California, <laughs> just do a ska version. Absolutely. Ab- <laughs> Everybody love it. <laughs> well, Glenn fry has gone, so I'm checked out. Uh, you Eagles, you so. tapped out?
2: Did you tap out? Yeah. I don't know the name of anyone in the Eagles. Well, that, that was one.
0: Yeah, okay. he was, and, he was and, one, and one of the big ones. Don Henley was There's the other Mr. one. Mr. Eagle, Mrs. Right, Eagle. Right,
2: exactly, exactly. Okay, I think I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, which one of you is led? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> sorry, couldn't resist. So should we get to
1: our bonus questions? Yes. I I, I feel like we've been talking
2: for seven minutes, and it's probably Uh, significantly longer than that.
1: About 43?
2: 43. Okay.
1: All right. The first one is, what does creativity mean to you? What does creativity mean to me?
0: Well, I guess there's a lot of ways to answer that question. But I guess one thing that, one way I'll answer it is, what's kind of cool about you as a person is that nobody else is you. So I think trying to find what makes you unique and and different and then using that to express yourself as an artist, I think um, that's a goal for me because, there's a lot of things I can do that you can do, and a lot of things that you can do that he can do, and yeah. but nobody can do it like you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I think cool. for me, creativity, and, and, and one thing that's difficult, but I think has been important to me, is fighting the battle to find your voice as an artist, and then getting it out there.
1: That's beautiful. The next one is a lot funner. Oh, okay. Who's your favorite
0: Muppet deep- and why? why? I love that question because I love the Muppets. Mm. Uh, On my Mystic Grandpa Instagram, I've got a series of Kermits because I love Kermit the Frog. But, well, I don't know. He might be my favorite. But Gonzo, I've always loved Gonzo. Mm. Gonzo's mine. Because he's the weirdo and because he's, I don't know, he's just an oddball. He's in love with chickens.
1: Yeah, I don't have a lot of chicks around. That's the only difference between me and Gonzo. Well, but he, but he
0: understands bestiality. Yeah, so. and
2: I, I don't.
1: I <laughs> which don't is know if imp- I want to, <laughs> which is an
2: important characteristic in an inanimate, yeah, but three dimensional character. That's right. Thanks, yeah. Gonzo.
0: I think also the chickens aren't real, so it's probably legal if they're both not real. It's true. So you it's think true. they're just in yeah. your
1: the, his head?
0: No, I just mean they're puppets as oh, well. Okay, so oh, we're not running afoul of any statutes <laughs> or uh zoning right yeah i think it's gonzo i mean i've always liked the weirdos so my choice nice but i just love muppets in general
1: and in the movie of your life who would play you who would play me in the movie of my life Hmm. well maybe
0: one of you two but Mm. i don't know that's a great question.
2: Neither well, of us has the hair for it. I was going to say, I have a fantastic <laughs> wig artist on my staff. So well, yeah, I mean, wigs, <laughs> wigs are a thing. I probably have um, to dye the beard. but Yeah, my
1: beard's, beard's closer to your tone than, than Terry's, but it's... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe it'd be funny to have someone play me who hates me, and then they just make me look like an ass the whole time. That'd be kind of fun.
2: Well, in this case, you're the client, so it's your call. Okay. It, yeah. is the, it is the film of your life. So. I don't know who it would be. Ooh. TBD. You'd be determined. Yeah. They sound the movie. Do you, do you have a, a suggestion, Dylan? Oh, um, yeah, or please. Should, or he should play Andrew?
1: <laughs> Offhand, no. <laughs> okay,
0: wait, wait. Maybe I've got one. Gonzo.
2: Okay. Gonzo. There we go. Yeah. Well, I think we've officially reached the full callback portion of the episode so i'm gonna go jo- joseph gordon levitt oh my gosh good idea right yeah, yeah. totally he's versatile or maybe just president nelson you know the LDS playing against type a little bit <laughs> just a little bit but Why not? that you know that's uh tilda swinton that's you. I like it, yeah. yes, That'd be cool. yes, I love it. <laughs> yeah, she's very versatile. She yeah. is, she's
0: fantastic. Or I like, like that. I you know that movie where everybody played Bob Dylan? It's oh, called yeah. like, uh, I'm not here. Yes, like yes, yes. And they had like Kate Blanchett, right. and like all That's these right. different people played Bob Dylan. Maybe I'm like that. that. It'd be fun if it was like, this scene, it's Gonzo. Sure. This scene, sure. it's Tilda Swinton.
2: Sure. This scene,
0: it's this guy.
2: The vagina monologues. I have Andrew Hollenbeck <laughs> edition. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because right, they get, uh, they have, uh, I guess it's kind of like a traveling Broadway cast mm-hmm. sort of uh, motif in that the vagina monologues have been done by dozens, if not hundreds, probably of, of actors. Mm. Uh, oh, cool. Of, of that text. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like that idea. And I'm, I'm, I got to say, I'm uh, I'm liking the Tilda Swinton. That's the one. I think. I think, I think that's. Uh, let's get her agent yeah, on the right, phone. Uh, cool. Yeah, till and Joseph are like. Yeah,
0: right and then there. one section is just CGI.
2: Sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that would. It seems Andy Circus
0: though. just an emotion capture suit. <laughs> I think it would be
2: absolutely <laughs> uh, de rigueur for yeah. uh, for a biopic. It's I'm now. Now it. we're really right, and we're <laughs> we're winnowing down to yep. categories because I'm already on to uh, selling this film. Yeah, well, it's uh, going to be a hit. It, it is. It is. We haven't made it, but yeah. it's huge. No, I can see it. <laughs> I can see the potential. <laughs> I've been hanging around Sundance too many years. <laughs> yeah. We
0: got to play at Sundance. Oh, D- did you work you Sounds, play? Day Sounds played the Acura event stage. Oh,
2: you did? Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was and, a huge and... stage. Yeah, and what a, a great thing that there are opportunities. And there are a lot at Sundance for uh, Utah musicians yeah. to, to be heard in the midst of right, all of the bold-facers, as they say. I don't uh, know that, that term. come into town. That's just, you know, uh, right, uh, um, the the big names. Gonzo, Tilda Swinton. Y- exactly, exactly. <laughs> Tilda Swinton in the Andrew Tomlin backstory. story. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Sony Pictures Classics, I think, is probably the, the perfect home.
0: I'm into that for the project. So yeah. we'll maybe uh, Indian Paintbrush, Wes Anderson. Yes, absolutely. I'd be into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the that.
1: trailer for the new one? To- <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> the French. Uh, what's it called? The French something.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for that oh, one because yeah. I love Wes Anderson, but also my wife's a French teacher,
2: so it's a good crossover.
1: Yeah. For great,
2: us. great couple appeal. Indeed. Yeah, has yeah. why, why sell one ticket when you can sell two? Exactly. Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. sales, sales machine. <laughs> why don't I think of that? Obviously, Bill Murray has to play me in the
1: biopic. Oh, there we oh, go. Oh,
2: there you go. Sure. <laughs> well, in your, in, your, uh, in your later years, and I'm imagining right. that that will be a really a the most... Uh, creative part of the project because I mean this is this is going to be in theaters and, and on Netflix in like twelve months. So yeah. you will not have had the benefit of That's living right. your later life, which Bill Murray will be portraying in right. the film. So it really opens up the That's possibility. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's, they're turning into a series. It is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sony Pictures Classics. I'm sorry, but we're going to do a deal with Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Ten episodes, yeah, five seasons. Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> you lose disney so that might
1: be a different monster (laughs) that's right
2: (laughs) that's right
1: well thank you andrew yeah terry frutti acb which i'm liking thanks for coming
0: on emails that way sometimes
2: indeed thank you dylan for uh, inviting us here it's always a pleasure to be with you uh, Andrew, it's a real pleasure to meet you and I look forward to following your music and your visual art. Thanks. And uh yeah, do do a shout out one more time for folks so they can go uh consume your creativity and right. all hub. the com slash day sounds. Day sounds on pH. <laughs> I love it.
0: We're uh dot com for my uh illustration. Uh, Mystic Grandpa on Instagram for cartooning. And then Day Sounds uh, on Instagram for music and daysoundsmusic.com. Check it out. Very cool.
2: It's great to meet you. Thanks. uh, Best wishes to you for uh, more lovely creative experiences. Yes. And I can't (laughs) can't (laughs) wait to get on set. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. The
1: podcast is done, man.